Welcome to the Emergent Human, where we explore optimizing health, embodied spirituality, and post-conventional living. I'm Michael Osterlink, a therapist, coach, and educator, and I'm your host. Today's show is brought to you by Cosper Scafidi, an amazing body worker in the Northern Virginia area, who has integrated different somatic practices into his work, including Rolfing. To learn more about his work, you can visit his website at www.cosperscafidi.com. Today's guest is Nicole Birchback. Cole is a founder, co-founder of Total Potential, an author, unbeatable mind coach, registered dietitian, and certified yoga instructor. She has spent the past 20 years working in health and wellness. Several formative events led her to a deep passion for families, and all that is possible when we approach, excuse me, approach the family as an opportunity, not as an obstacle. She supports groups, and does one-on-one coaching to help individuals experience the best themselves with the people they love most. She lives in Wisconsin with her husband and three amazing children, and she is also the author with her brother, Jake, of this amazing book, Total Potential, How to Create a Culture of Growth and Wellness So Your Whole Family Can Thrive. How are you doing, Nicole? Yay, I'm great. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on, on this uh, show to talk about your amazing book. But before we jump into your book, you talked about formative events that kind of led you onto this path. And this path is amazing. Unbeatable Mind Coach, dietitian, yoga instructor, you know, you have a lot going on, author, obviously author. But, you know, what led you to kind of in the personal development space and what opened you up to the need to expand the personal development space to include family and family life, which, as we've talked many times offline, is so important and unfortunately is missing in our culture? Yeah. So I'll, I'll speak for myself first. My brother had his own formative events that sort of led us to join forces in this space. Um, but I mean, not to like drop a bomb, but I was hit by a drunk driver when I was 19 and my whole life, like literally exploded before my eyes. And as the pieces start to started to come back together, family was just this theme that kept rising up. My parents were incredible. They joined forces in amazing ways. My extended family like really surrounded me. And I mean, I had no business surviving this accident. So, you know, it was very clear even at 19 to be like, okay, there's probably something more I need to pay attention to here. And so even, yes, I was young, but my, you know, my antennas went up even at that young age of, okay, there's, there's something brewing here. Then fast forward a few years, I, I mean, I only five years later started having a family of my own, but um, I always wanted to be a mother and I got into motherhood and it felt really so different than I had expected. And I felt like a much smaller version of myself in that role than I had imagined. And so my brother and I were kind of dovetailing into the world of self-development. I mean, I had already been working in health and wellness that, you know, that wheelhouse was already part of, you know, my experience, but we were dovetailing into this experience at the same time and having this round and round conversation of how can we do all of these things that, you know, we're quote unquote supposed to do in the self-development world. But like we have young families at home. These things are not. I can't go spend three hours at the gym. I'm not going to meal prep and then have kids not eat that food. Like these things are, you know, the wires are crossing. And fortunately, unfortunately, we had people in our lives who at the same time were seeking some of these same paths. And instead of their families becoming integrated and coherent, their families were imploding. 
And wow. we're like, well, okay, we la, la, la. there's got to be another way because this for us is so highly important that we have to dive in with a new framework and a new lens so that other people can do this work too and not have this family imploding situation happening. I love that. So, and can you talk about how you like got into unbeatable mind as a coach, yoga as a coach, a dietitian, and what are the kind yeah. of formative pieces that led you on that, those individual paths too? Yeah. I mean, that's been kind of a weird path for me, to be honest. <laughs> I wanted to be a dietitian since I was in high school. Um, cool. Yeah, I, I was an athlete. The whole health and wellness space was really interesting to me always. Um, and then after I worked in a hospital setting for a handful of years, not that there wasn't a lot of really valuable work to do there, but treating disease was not really what I had imagined mm -hmm. as being a health and wellness practitioner. And so that's when I actually found yoga first okay. and that's how I found unbeatable mind. So I, I trained with Mark and Catherine divine in their mm -hmm. uh, Kokoro yoga for several years. And then you know, that practice is beautiful, but if you're not into yoga, how else do you experience those practices? And so, yeah, just kept diving into the unbeatable mind world, which of course is how our paths cross, which right. I'm so grateful for. Um, and I've been there. Yeah. I've been in that world, that UM world for the last about five years. So how did you and Jake come together to say, Hey, let's, we need to write a book. Then actually, how did you write the book? Cause <laughs> hard enough to write a book on your own, but with another person, I guess, I imagine that can be challenging. Yeah. We had a lot of support. Luckily I have an amazing friend who supported us through the whole process. Robin Elvig, she's incredible. Um, uh -huh. We did a lot of like tag teaming. So, Hey, we have this broad idea that we know we want to convey as really kind of a path for how you can do this work together as a family. And what are your experiences in that? What are my experience, you know, really just collaborating on, on the shared values of that? Because one of the things that's really interesting about my brother and I is we are incredibly different. Like we are not the same people like, out, out doing this work. He practices jinjitsu and I'm at the yoga studio. Like we have very different ways of being. And so we're like, if we can come to some of the foundational concepts that work for both of us, that's going to catch the vast majority of people just because we are so different. Um, and so, yeah, just really collaborated back and forth and like, what are the truths here and uh, the simple ways that family can do this together again, to kind of get over that initial hurdle that we saw that people were being asked to do this, you know, mountain of things, but when, <laughs> so. Right. Right. And point out that uh, Jake is a former professional hockey player. Yes. Correct? Yeah. Okay. He, so yeah, you both are athletes. Of, yes. Yeah. <laughs> lots of health and wellness experience, lots of physical training. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So you guys came together, you decided to write this book for families to open up their minds and hearts and souls and spirits. Cause you really are pretty, very comprehensive in the way you talk about it in the book to the fact that they can come together and work on diet, nutrition, fitness, health, all the different aspects that you cover uh, in your own life. What are some of the obstacles you discover that you're like, wow, this needs to be included in my book or in our book so as teaching, you know, as a way to teach people, like these are some of the things you're going to encounter. At least these are some of the things I or Jake encountered. Yeah. There's a couple of things that's, that stand out. One is time. That's not only my, the thing that I, you know, had the hardest experience with is the balance of how much time do these different things get and still show up to the family. Um, 
but that's what we hear from people coming to us as well is yeah. the time aspect. And for us in our family, a, a huge component of mastering that time element is to do the work together. <laughs> if I'm going to sit and have a gratitude practice, let's communicate gratitude together, right? It doesn't have that, to yeah. be just me. If we're going to prepare food in the kitchen, let's get in the kitchen together. Even if you're not the one, you know, maybe dicing the vegetables and making the recipe happen, conversation with the kids, have some music on and dance. There's all these ways to still be doing these things together, even if you're on a little bit different path. And that's kind of the second point, which is that, you know, my uh, husband and I have been approaching some of this work from different spaces and I have no judgment of where he is, just like I want him to have no judgment of where I am. And I think it's really easy when you're on a developmental path to sort of assume that everyone else needs to be there as well, or somehow is less than, and that's just not true. And so I think the opportunity to see your partner exactly where they are and just appreciate them there is, is a real opportunity in family. I I could imagine too, that it could lead to some really interesting, crucial conversations not to change the other person's perspective or understanding of where they're coming from, but just to share your, your, what your small T truth, what you're trying to accomplish and asking for support and accountability, and even, maybe even offering it to them, just depending on what they're working on. Is that true for what you've been seeing and yeah. working on with your clients? Yeah. The open dialogue is huge yeah. and the opportunity to see something from various perspectives and yeah. that person for the vast majority of us, that person is one of the few people who will give you the absolute truth. <laughs> so they're a great person to check in with, Hey, yeah. my experience is this, I'm working towards this. What are you seeing for me in that? Or when I do that, how does that show up for you? Hey, and this is something I learned from Michael, but Hey, when I fall (laughs) flat on my face, trying something different, can we be cool with that and play in that space? Because you're the person I trust the most and Mm -hmm. have nothing but good intentions for. How can we make this a space where both of us get to grow instead of like, I'm doing this and (laughs) good luck. I'll see you later. (laughs) I I love the word, the fact you use the word play, because I think that's an important mindset. And I could imagine like when you're working with parents in family environments that you actually have to educate some of them perhaps on the need to be playful with themselves, with each other, with their kids. How does play show up in some of the work you do? Yeah, well, play, the biggest way that it shows up is in the opportunity for parents to start seeing their children as the teacher because the children are automatically playful. That's their way of being is this really relaxed, creative, open space. And I don't know all the ins and outs of why it's so complex, but we, we learn ourselves out of that as we grow up. And there's such a massive opportunity to return to the perspective of a child that is so playful and is so present. And so that's the biggest part of that conversation is to not so much that playfulness is not in the way. It's actually a massive opportunity for connection, huge opportunity for connection and an opportunity to just, yeah, change perspective, get the body involved. There's lots of aspects of play that are really valuable. So that's a, that's a big flip for a lot of people. Yeah, I could imagine. And you didn't use this word, but the way you described it, I would say experimentation, or maybe you didn't use the word, but mm. I don't remember saying it, but 
you know, with the example of like, I tried something new, I fell my flat on my face, my partner who I, you know, is like the one person in the world who should create this space for me to do that and understand and accept and allow me to experiment. And I imagine besides playfulness, like let's learn from the children, how to be more playful because we lost that as adults. How do we, how do, how do you work with both yourself within your family and then with clients to be more experimental? Yeah, my kind of mantra is that curiosity is a superpower. And so that's that's an ongoing conversation, both in my own life, where do I need more curiosity and need to ask more questions um, so that I can see something broader and more expansive. And that's a conversation that happens with clients all the time. And it's something that can happen so easily, even with our children. Like my kids will come home from school and say something like, oh, so-and-so did blah, blah, blah at school today. And you can hear there's an interpretation of that behavior behind the statement, right? But immediately, if I just say something like, hey, what do you suppose was happening for them today? That, that, you know, it, it helps model the curiosity for them as well. So that you're always just kind of seeking information. There's not necessarily a judgment about every single thing that happens, which is, you know, just kind of how we're conditioned to be. (laughs) Well, let me ask you that. So how do you work with your clients who might come from a more authoritarian judgmental mindset to help them learn to relax and not contract and constrict themselves and and approach it more the way you just described it? So my experience, there's a couple of things that have been really valuable for people who come from that mindset. And I think it's really important to recognize that that has served them in some way. It got them to where they are in their life. And so to two parts, see how it has been useful to you. And then where are the places where that actually doesn't feel so good? Because there's probably something else available that you could start playing with in those spaces that allows you to maybe break out of that mold a little bit or experience other ways of being. And I think for most people who have that mindset, they either came from like chaos and that control helped them keep someone's and a feeling of safety, or they came from that like very controlled and even from like a body perspective, can they feel what it feels like to be like like cans gripping the wheel in control all the time versus what would it just feel like to feel something even an inch different than that and for for most people that starts to open the perspective to that there's it's all just made up like who made all these rules there's so many things available to us and so if we can just see it for what it is the awareness becomes a superpower as well and then we get to start to play with it and change it you won't be surprised. I love the fact you brought the body into this discussion. Like, <laughs> how do you even drive in the car, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, as a yogi or a yogini, I don't know what you call, call yourself. A yogi <laughs> I, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you bring in some of those mind-body practices into your work with uh, within the family dynamic? Or Absolutely. Individuals work with? Absolutely. Because um, our family is going to be triggering period. Like they're going to point to every single thing that we have to work on. They're going to find the button that shows us that it's there. But for most of us, that shows up as a very body experience first. We might be tense. We might feel oh, like frustrated or clamped down or the heart might you know, start to beat faster. And these things start to point the signal very quickly because once somebody realizes 
that their body has shifted states, they can start to realize what's happening internally. So the body, not only for a parent, is so important to get more in touch with what is the experience through the body, but then we can watch our kids too, yeah. right? Like when a child comes to you and they are, you know, shoulders up to their ears or they are like red in the face or they're whatever, their tone of voice is all elevated. These are all just clues that they have a new experience happening <laughs> and we don't have to, we don't have to have the same experience. So allowing ourselves both internally and to watch with eyes externally, what's happening for our kiddos is a huge opportunity because then it turns that felt experience into something you can actually lay eyes on instead of something that's just happening in the background all the time. Nice. I, I love the kind of the awareness of yourself, obviously is really important, but of your kidlets. And like, you know, how they're showing up energetically and, and facially and breath and all whatever else is going on mm -hmm. for them. But I, I would imagine, you know, for a lot of people that are, that capability to be self-aware and other aware is not necessarily inborn, um, something they've cultivated unless they've been involved in personal development work or meditation or yoga. Sure. You know, so how do you introduce kind of like the importance of being self-aware and other aware? Yeah, I think <laughs> the very first thing that always comes to mind is breath. This is a little bit harder to teach. I think with our children, they will breathe pretty inherently to their state. It's a little bit harder to teach them how to, <laughs> at least in my own experience, teach them how to flip <laughs> that with breath. Um, but the second that we're having an internal experience and we even notice the slightest change in our physical being. We can take one breath and almost instantaneously have an awareness of what it is that put us or shifted us into that. So breath is a huge, huge, I mean, I could just go like, let's use the breath all day, every day, morning, night, all the time. Um, so that's huge. The other thing is to use some kind of either a morning ritual plus minus an evening ritual so that you can, before the day starts, you can check in with your state. If you wake up, hit the ground running, have no concept of what's running in your background, the day's going to feel like that. And then all of the triggers that come up are just like happening, happening, happening. So to create that space where we get to choose the state, often that's much easier to keep once we've made the choice, even as the day continues to come at yeah. us. So that's another huge tool. Nice. Nice. You know, um, you, you mentioned eating, like preparing meals with the family and not necessarily all the kids are going to be cutting veggies, but at least they're in the same room having a conversation. And, and I want to go back to that because in terms of challenges or maybe some obstacles, like how do you recommend clients deal with like, Oh, the kids want to eat mac and cheese all day long or whatever. They're like crappy field choices, crappy choices, yeah. standard American diet crap. They want to eat, you know, and, and the spouse wants to eat something different. And you're like, shit, like, healthy <laughs> okay i want guys not to get diabetes obesity and heart disease like how do you deal with those kind of challenges especially in our culture where fast food is just so fast and available and yeah well so this is a space that i've spent a lot of time and yeah. um was blessed that my child my oldest son had a sensory disorder so food became the focal point of that experience for him <laughs> and so i got to learn extra extra about this area as a dietitian um, so in the eating space, number one, 
our version of children trying food is very different than what it means for a child to try food. Our version is that they take a bite, swallow it, eat it. <laughs> there are like a hundred steps for a child before that. They might touch it. They might smell it. They might put it away in the refrigerator. They might help you prepare it for a meal. They might clean it off the dishes when you're cleaning up after dinner. There's all these ways that they experience food that have nothing to do with actually eating it. So I think reframing a little bit around what that means is really helpful that kids can still be participating in the whole family's meal, regardless of whether or not they eat that food. So that's one thing. Another thing is that for most kiddos, they'll, they are going to experiment, push things around, eat. That is their version of eating, trying food. They will eat when they are hungry. So if your kid's favorite food isn't broccoli, okay, fine. It can still be on their plate. Nothing's going to happen. And there will be a variety of foods and they're going to pick their favorite. And that's totally fine. They'll, they'll eat that and they will if they immediately are asking for a snack out of the cabinet, I get that. That's, you know, they're not full then, but most kids are going to, as long as we don't set up a worrying environment where you have to do this and you have to do that at the dinner table, everybody's going to be just fine. I love, so Ellen Satter has, uh, um, her, eating resources for young children are remarkable. And she has a couple of rules. The parents' rules are to make good food choices at regular times in regular places. The child's jobs are everything else. If they eat, how much they eat, what they eat. And so it just like divides the responsibility and we don't have to get <laughs> so worked up about the rest of the process. It's going to take care of itself. For kiddos that have really uh, super picky behaviors, I always say to have one like quote unquote safe food where that food that is that, but the whole family gets it. So if it's a yogurt that gets put on the side of a plate, everyone at the table gets a yogurt on the side of their plate. And guess what? Everyone at the table gets to decide whether or not they eat that. So there's definitely some ways to still have that balance of, but I, I, I definitely, no short order cooking. If somebody absolutely will not eat the dinner, they are welcome to go make themselves a sandwich or whatever it is they need to do. But I, yeah, the short order cooking is out the window. <laughs> um, how do you deal with things like kids go to a party and they get sugared up on cake, ice cream, you know, um, is, is that a concern for you that you talk with maybe your own kids, but also parents that you work with? in the family dynamic like you know because one of the things you see is like a lot of kids are eating a lot of processed food but a lot of sugary snacky mm -hmm. food and i you know i would imagine once in the moon no big deal but that's consistently part of your diet you know obesity's numbers are growing in terms of percentage of the population blah 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 blah. you know so there's some health concerns not just like oh my kid's on crack and he's gonna run around for the next hour yeah yeah how do you deal with those kind of questions yeah, I think though once in the, so there's, this is such an interesting dynamic because something I see is for that parents who use very strict rules around things like sugary foods, for instance, it becomes almost like compulsive, 
I want from their children because it's so deeply restricted. And so that's something that I'm really sensitive to um, in terms of creating like hard and fast rules around Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. eat this, but we don't eat that. So I think the opportunity to have moderation, if you're going Mm -hmm. out and it's a birthday party and that's the one birthday party you're going to for the month or whatever, okay, there's probably going to be cake there. Like have fun and enjoy it. No big deal. Um, And then maybe at home, we get to be more mindful of, you know, what the rest of the day looks like. I think the place where we end up getting into kind of funky waters with kids and these types of foods is when food is like almost always used as a reward mechanism. And it's sugary food is the reward, which is incredibly common. I think that's where it gets a lot dicier because there's a really deeply ingrained then behavior around those foods. And I'm quote unquote good. Yeah, and I could imagine there's a lot of emotional eating aspect to that as well. Yeah, or stress eating, whatever happens to be connected to that. Yeah, yeah. not just with kids, but a lot of adults, I'm sure, that you work yeah. with as well, or have worked with. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. So, you know, so we, we talked a little about diet and nutrition. <clears throat> How about things like discipline? Hmm. And, you know, I could imagine maybe not in your household, but, you know, a lot of kids seem to be not very disciplined these days. It's like we've gone from one extreme to the other, in many cases, not all families, obviously every family is different. So how might you work with a family to bring in more discipline into the system? That's not authoritarian, because obviously I'm hearing you say you don't want extremes, but discipline seems to be an important part of your work. Yeah, so I think one of the biggest opportunities is to have a conversation, because I think where we get tripped up is that we set the expectations of what we want our children to be disciplined to, And sometimes those things mean absolutely nothing to our kids. It's the opposite of interesting to them. There's no drive to do it. And then it's just like (laughs) banging your head against the wall. Right. And so I think the opportunity to have a conversation of even let's say something as simple as helping with chores. Okay. Every day, the family helps clean up from dinner. This is not complicated. And, but in most houses, this is like, (laughs) this is not that fun for a lot of people. These types of simple daily interactions where like the work just needs to get done. A conversation that's as simple as, hey, like, I'm not responsible for cleaning everyone's dishes. What do we think we could do to have this be something that we all get to participate in? So it's not just one person's job. Even something as simple as that, your kids will come up with a solution literally in that one moment. And then now they've been part of the idea they, I mean, it's just a completely different dynamic than I said, you have to. And so you will. And those are, (laughs) that's really, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment in those types of conversations. We won't go down this path, but I I could imagine we could have a broader conversation of authoritarian education system. And I know on your podcast, you've explored that a little bit too, but I love the idea of like engaging the, the kids in a conversation about kind of responsibilities and let them help solve the challenge or the problem. Because I could imagine that they will grow up to be adults who are capable of doing so, as opposed to yes men. They're like, oh, I have yeah. to do exactly what I'm told. That's well, what the authority capable of realizing that they have their own ideas and that those are yeah. good ideas. Yeah, I, yeah, mean, I love that. Our kids have very little opportunity to express what they know inside of them. 
And if they just have an opportunity to share it and express it and then watch it unfold before them, holy, that is a massive opportunity as a parent to start that loop going for a child where I have the internal knowingness that I can solve a problem and then I'm going to take action and we're going to find out if it works. I love that. You know, in your book, you talk about different character traits. One of them is courage. Uh, We'll walk through a few of them because obviously we want people to read the book. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a uh, video book review, but talk (laughs) a couple of things like simplicity and courage are kind of two that I'd like you to explore. And then I'll encourage folks to look into the others as they read your book. Yeah. So courage is the first one and it's first on purpose because I mean, my sense is to do this work at all requires a ton of courage. This is not the quote unquote normal way to approach family life. It's not how we've been taught to approach family life. Like it is, Jake and I always say like, let's get as weird as possible so that other people feel like they have the permission to get weird and try it too. And that takes some courage. You're not going to look like everyone else. Your family's not going to operate like everyone else's. And it's not a judgment. It's not that you're better than it's just that it's going to feel different. And you might be the only one in your social circle who's having these types of conversations at home. And that just takes a ton of courage, but the opportunity to model that for our children, huh? Like that we make our own choices in this household and we aren't always informed by what the outside is telling us, I think is a massive opportunity. And then simplicity, (laughs) it probably could have been number one, but courage is just a huge part of it. But this can't be complicated. This has to be doable in the day-to-day. These have to be like momentary conversations, momentary practices. They have to be accessible or they're not going to happen because family life is inherently, I, I absolutely, I say busy is a four letter, four letter word because I don't like that word, but it is a very full lifestyle and you have to be able to take action in quick, succinct ways that make an impact. And that's why simplicity is such a huge, <laughs> important like character that. trait for us. You know, the thing about kind of simplicity and you do hear a lot of families the kids are scheduled like literally like five different sports and they play musical instruments and various activities they're doing and no criticism or judgment on that but i'm curious like you know what might you say in terms of free time for play that's not structured yeah i think i mean i don't want to make any judgments i know we're all just trying our very best but our kids are absolutely over scheduled period and so i think the opportunity to even just back up and say what of these things are that we're doing really feed us, really feed our family. They're exciting for us. They allow our kids to expand who they are, how they show up in the world. The conversation to have with your child. I mean, I know kids who play three sports all year round. Like, how is that even possible, like physically possible, right? And yet families everywhere have that lifestyle. And where's the opportunity to have less, but in a more meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very present. You know, I think for a lot of us during like the pandemic, for instance, for those of us who um, like the quietness was the separation from the, the doingness of how life mm-hmm. was just kind of in motion, especially for families, there was a separation. And for some people they're like, 
oh, wow, look at now I can see that I can make some more decisions about it. I can piece it apart a little bit. I mean, we had some really interesting conversations in our house about like, do you even like that thing? Or are we just uh, like, are you signed up for guitar because we just signed up and never unsigned you up? Like what's our real plan here? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But for some people, the loss of that busyness uncovered everything all at yeah. once. And that was too much. And so I would never suggest like, if you have three kiddos and all of those kiddos are in activities every single day of the week, the answer is not going to be, oh, we don't do that anymore. (laughs) But where's the opportunity to choose something more meaningful and let go of the things that are just filling in the space? Cool. I I love that. Um, You mentioned the very beginning of this conversation, like the, you know, a trainer could say, you need to train three hours a day. And you're like, wait, I have a family. So, you know, it's kind of circling back to that. I'm curious, like, and where, where does fitness come into your work with clients, families? Yeah. First of all, I think there's a huge opportunity to invite the kids in. I always say that like the kids, my kids are never in any way required to participate in a workout that I do, but they're always invited. And sometimes Mm -hmm. they hop in and sometimes they don't. And that's totally fine. But the chance to experience those things together is super fun. And it, it lightens the mood of the whole thing. It's just, it's really a win-win for everybody in terms of the family experiencing fitness together. I mean, have like, if you imagine dancing around your kitchen for 15 minutes and actually dancing, that is a workout. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there's all these ways where we can experience movement together that aren't so regimented. And I think the opportunity to bring those things in more regularly, kind of back to that play thing is a really cool opportunity. I mean, if you made a, I always, (laughs) a huge motivating factor before I really dove into this work was I would go to the playground with my kids and they would want to play tag and we'd run around for a few rounds. And then I would like be gassed. That for me was a hard stop. Like, so then it turned into, you better have your fast shoes on. Cause I am for sure going to get you like it as my own fitness became a higher priority and I could play with them more in, in places that they enjoyed that became so fun. And again, you don't have to run around for very long at a playground to realize like, that's a lot of work. You're getting a good workout in even just doing that. So there's lots of opportunity. I want to point out like, okay, there's a time period where Nicole's like, I can't keep both my kids. Now as a, as a cookerel graduate, I'm like, <laughs> kids are like, hell, I can't keep up with my mom. <laughs> you know what? And I think we need to tell ourselves a better story around that, right? Because we have, the story is that our, our quote unquote best days are behind us, right? Like if you were in high school athlete, like those, that's considered your peak of fitness, I am so much more fit now as a soon to be 41 year old than I ever was as a multi-sport high school athlete. So we can tell a much better story around our fitness as we age for sure. Love that. Cool. And congratulations on the Coco graduation. 20 X. Cool. Yeah. Uh, 20X, I don't know. Yeah, sorry. Crazy. Yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. Um, very proud of you for that. Um, <laughs> Another thing I want to bring up is spirituality and religiosity. Mm. And I won't make a distinction because not everyone is part of a religious tradition, but I do know spirituality is an important part of the work that you teach with your clients. And I would imagine, depending on people's 
spiritual path might be religious, then religion come and play a role in that. But could you talk about, about spirituality and how that helps inform the way you work with your clients and help them inform the way they live in their lives? Yeah, I mean, the vast majority of people that I work with, they don't um, all believe in the same traditions by a long shot, but every person I have ever worked with has believed in something greater than themselves. Hmm. And we can work with that, right? Yeah. Like, how does that support you? What about that is interesting to you? If you connect to that regularly, what does it offer you? I mean, there's just so many interesting things to explore in that space and the opportunity to have really open conversations about those things at home, because kind of back to that authoritarian, I mean, a lot of religious traditions are very, you march this very specific path and that's the only possible way. And I think the opportunity, I mean, and this comes from, my kids are in Catholic school. Like this comes from somebody who practices a pretty traditional uh, religious tradition, but I'm also a yoga practitioner and love to learn about Buddhism and, you know, all these different things. And I think something that's really interesting is the more both myself and other people that I work with explore, the more expansion there is, the more mm -hmm. like you come to just the center point of what's true rather than just the things that have been told and that's a really exciting place to meet people because then a whole bunch of stuff can uh, really like pour out from that. How about spiritual practices? How do they help inform or what, how, what role do they play in the work that you might do with your clients? Mm. Well, for people who are open to spiritual practices, those things can become like an anchor point in a day-to-day -day, uh, way of life. If that's something that somebody really resonates with and they feel like is true for them, yeah. it becomes almost this like fulcrum where everything else can kind of revolve around because that thing is constantly informing the way we show up in our family. It's constantly informing the type of work we do or where we work or who we're friends with. It becomes this thing where like a, axle of a wheel that's yeah. always involved with all the things around us. And so for working with clients, like how do you keep coming back to that as a source of knowingness and information so that the mm -hmm. expression of that out in these other, you know, parts of the wheel, they resonate at a highest possible level for them. Nice. And just for the listening audience, the viewing audience, some of the things I'm thinking about in terms of Spiritual practices could be meditation, could be prayer, Absolutely. could be reading your particular religious book, whatever happens to be time in nature, yeah. I mean, whatever your trip is, there's multiple different practices people do to get in touch with, you know, something, as you said earlier, bigger than themselves, open their heart, open their bodies, open their minds. Yeah. So cool, cool. Um, we've touched upon quite a few different things from diet, nutrition, a little bit of movement, spirituality. Um, what other what other things would you like the listening of you in the audience to know that you include in your work with families and individuals? So I think one of the biggest dynamic shifts in the work that we do is to see the family, number one, as a mirror and as an opportunity to grow together. Because for a lot of people, the experience is that the family is a little bit in the way. Like you hear people mm -hmm. all the time say, oh, well, when the kids are out of the house, I will blah, 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 blah. Or, oh, if I didn't, I could do that, but so-and-so's got this sport after school. Like, it's always this factor that like blocks something. And 
my experience is just vastly different than that. And I think the opportunity for families to start to see the, the whole family unit as expansive and a growth for uh, opportunity for growth, um, to really learn the truth of yourself. Like these people are in your life for a reason. I mean, we all know how babies are made. Like we chose families. Why not choose them every day instead of, you know, a certain celebration or when it's convenient, like if every day and I can just be curious and open and my perspective can be expanded. Like that's the kind of work that changes people's lives and it changes their everyday experience. And that's why doing the work in this way with family is just, oh man, there's so much there. And I just, yeah, my greatest hope is that families can experience love and integration together because that will ripple out and literally change the world. Cool. I love that. That's so cool. And I love like, I love the idea of, uh, okay, there's important milestones or like birthdays. Like when we celebrate them once a year, but like do that every day, like, like how amazing it is miraculous really that this person, like, you know, this thing became a person outside of me, like, you know, like this little fetus became like a human being that's not running around and doing amazing things. Wow. That is so cool. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they're incredible. Yeah. 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 So when for your work, talk to us a little bit about like, Oh, I do one-on-one. I work with families. I work with couples. I work with groups. Like how does that, how does that work for you? If someone's listening go, Oh, that that's me. I want to go work with Nicole. Yeah. So most of my coaching is one-on-one and there's a reason for that because we have to take care of home base before we can really start to show up differently in a way that, you know, shifts the family dynamic. And so one-on-one coaching is the biggest part of my work, but another really exciting part that I love, and I don't have one right at this moment, but I'll, uh, throughout the year rotate through, um, mom's groups, which is, you know, the same is it takes a village right? But our villages have disappeared. (laughs) And so the opportunity for people to connect and do this work is a really special experience. And so um, about twice a year, I'll do mom's groups so that people can really kind of sit and do the work together. So important. And I do like the concept of it takes a village and that we don't like, you know, the nuclear family is supposed to be the nucleus of a broader family. And we don't have the broader family, we really have nuclear families. And if they look historically, like you know, we're part of small tribes and they might not be like biological aunts and uncles, but there's always people around in the past who were concerned and took care of kid, your, your kids and you took care of their kids. And unfortunately, that's missing. So I love the fact like, ooh, let's bring these women together. And maybe they don't have the extended family or even much of a nuclear family, but at least we have a little tribe and they can yeah. support each other. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. So you, besides the book, which yes. everyone has to read. <laughs> uh, you also have a podcast. Uh, yes. Talk a little bit about your podcast that you and your bro do. Yeah. So I love doing the podcast because something I, both my brother and I are really clear about is I'm not an expert in everything family by any stretch of the imagination. I just am really committed to showing up and doing the work and putting a new lens yeah. on family and have an expertise in health and wellness and coaching. So the podcast is an opportunity to speak with people like yourself. Um, we talk to psychologists, educators, occupational therapists, like all of these different people so that we can bring real expertise on whether it's child development or the complexities of marriage or how to 
how to maybe think through some different or unusual opportunities with school. Like there are amazing people out there who can bring these, you know, pieces of information and these thought processes to us. And so that's such a gift to be able to share on the podcast to really broaden the perspective of what, what is available for the whole family at whether that's your self-development, the marriage or the family unit. So where can people find the book, learn about your podcast and find about your work that you do with individuals? Beautiful. So the book is, yeah, the book is available everywhere that books are, you know, online spaces. Um, Amazon is an easy one. So feel free to hop over there. Um, All of our work, uh, podcast, blogs, all that kind of stuff is on our website, which is www.thetotalpotential.com. Um, that's our social handle on all social platforms as well. And then uh, on our website, there's a coaching link and you can find out more about the coaching groups and one-on-one coaching. And cool. yeah, it's yeah, all right there. Awesome. Well, thank you, Nicole. This has been fun, a fun conversation. And as thank I you. mentioned, definitely check out her and Jake's book. It's really important. I'll include links in the show notes for all the information you just laid out. Appreciate your time and your work. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Great to see you, Nicole. You too. There's nothing in between you and me. Nothing in between blue and sea. Nothing in between us and love Nothing in between wings and doves Nowhere to hide in the open reality Love is so wide, there isn't a boundary You